It's happy hour again in New Orleans at the Collins Hotel. Hey, how you doing? I'm Grant Morris. We're live at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in Uptown New Orleans, right on the streetcar tracks. It's a great place to come, the Collins Hotel, to stay in New Orleans if you're coming to visit us here. And if you're already here, come and have a drink with us or with your own friends whenever you want down here on the beautiful balcony on St. Charles Avenue. My special guests today are three fascinating New Orleanians who I'm looking forward to introducing you to and meeting myself on my right, the Reverend John Mosley, the assistant pastor of the Right Way and Truth Full Gospel Baptist Church. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And sitting right across from me, Barbara Lason Caller, the Director of Constituent Services for Council Member Stacey Head. Good afternoon, Barbara. Hey, where you at? All right. And to my immediate left, Sess45, who is a rapper, a hip-hop artist, an MC, a producer, an entrepreneur, and a record label owner. Have I got that right, Sess45? Yeah, you got a few of them right. I got four five in the building. There's a few more to go. And uh, in our studio, Mitch Foreman playing the piano. Mitch, hi. Hey, Grant. How's it going? We're doing good. How are you doing? Good. Very well. Very well. What have you been up to since our last get-together? Oh, I've been just working like crazy. Uh... There's the fa- famous German fusion record that's taking up a lot of time. I'm working on a solo project, playing some gigs. Sandeep's film coming back again. Wow, things are going good. All things right. are going well. Things yeah. are busy in the piano jazz business. So Who would have figured? Who would have known it? So one of the things we wanted to uh, talk about today is, um, is Juneteenth. This is one of the reasons we assembled uh, this crowd of people. Because... Uh, uh, John Mosley, Reverend John Mosley, is one of the people credited with resurrecting the Juneteenth celebration, not just in New Orleans and not just in Louisiana, but across the whole United States. Well, uh, I thank you. Uh, you remind me of the joke that uh, Dr. <laughs> King told. Uh, well, that, I don't but, believe I've ever heard that sentence. About the old lady who uh, <laughs> said that uh, her girlfriend called up and said, Girl... Uh, the news is out that you engaged to be married. And, of course, the old lady responded and said, well, of course, that's not true, but thank God for the rumor. So if the rumor mill has it that <laughs> I've helped spread it across the nation, then fine. <laughs> well, there's, there's, you've opened an interesting door here because, first of all, I didn't know Dr. King told jokes. Uh-huh. Well, he had a sense of humor, yeah. such as our boss, which is God. Right. Think about it. He humor. made all of us. So right. that alone oh, says yeah. he has oh, a yeah. sense of humor. <laughs> did, you, did you know Dr. King? I didn't know him, no, but I've done a lot of work under Kingian theory. Okay. Yes. So I read on Wikipedia, which I, th- I always thought was pretty reliable, that in 1994, the, the whole Juneteenth, which is, just let's just put it in some sort of historical perspective, that Juneteenth is a celebration of the emancipation f- from, from slavery, yes. which began in 1865. Yes. And then somehow the celebrations stopped somewhere along the line. Well, in, in New Orleans, it lied dormant for over 100 years until our organization, the African American Male and Female Institute, did resurrect the celebration for the New Orleans metropolitan you, area. You have an organization called the African American Male African and American Female. African American Male and Female Institute. That pretty much covers it. Why is it called Male and Female? Well, uh, it was. It started out just being the African American Male Institute, oh, and somewhere along the way, uh, some smart young ladies like Barbara uh, informed me that you know uh, there were females too. And uh, you didn't know that. You know, yeah, at the time, uh, the, but the lady was uh, one of our members, uh, Miss Pam, 
who was a storyteller on uh, WYLDAM, uh, who's resting now with the Lord. But uh, so we added a female to the name uh, out of respect for our sisters. Rather than just take out male and make it African-American. Right. Okay. Uh, but it started out as just male because we formed the organization because uh, we had taken a look at the extinction of the males, African-American males. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's how we begun our okay. work of mentoring boys and men, you know. But uh, certainly the things that befall us certainly befall our women as well. Okay. True, Barbara? That's so true. And um, through the years, I've been able to work with John uh, in organizing Juneteenth. So uh, I was so happy to, to see and understand that they realized the important part that women played, and they changed the name to the Men and Women Institute. So, the, so there is some truth then to the to the rumor, as you called it, that you did resurrect Juneteenth. Well, yes, and and uh, more to the broad uh, stroke of the brush that you painted, uh, we were the first organization to hold a national conference mm-hmm. on Juneteenth in nineteen ninety six. Uh, at the then called Radisson Hotel on Canal Street, which later became McLaren, which later, after Katrina, disappeared. Mm. But we did call uh, people from across the country and held the first National Juneteenth Conference why had in Juneteenth, New Orleans. Why, but why had Juneteenth fallen into dis, dis, you know, disuse? Well, I don't know the total reason, except that uh, there were racial differences in this New Orleans metropolitan area. But you're talking, I'm you talking know. about nationwide, though. Yeah. Well, nationwide, it didn't fall. Uh, it just uh, fell short uh, in some provinces. But uh, in Galveston Bay, Texas, and other parts of the country, Juneteenth had been going on since 1865. Unstopped. Unstopped. Well, okay. Yes. And where else? Anywhere else across the country or just in Galveston of all places? Well, uh, it started off no, in, in Wisconsin, uh, they have hundreds of thousands of people. In Denver, they have hundreds of thousands of folk. And have had all the way through since and, 1865. And have been holding uh, Juneteenth celebration, to the best of my knowledge, okay. since its humble beginnings in 1865, which the first celebration was held at Galveston Bay, Texas, uh, on the... Uh, uh, property of the Eccles family. Eccles. Eccles. In Galveston yes. Bay, Texas. In Galveston Bay, Texas at that time. And what do they do? What was the original celebration for Juneteenth? The original celebration was actually the, the, uh, just people being festive, enjoying themselves that slavery had ended. Uh, you can understand that uh, slavery was like an, an uh, anvil on the necks of a lot of people. And while it's uh, 99% African-Americans, but there were some poor whites who were happy uh, that slavery had ended as well. There were, no, there were nobody else who were slaves except African-Americans, though, were there? Well, there were some whites. They weren't uh, called slaves, <laughs> but they certainly were living in the slavery kind of conditions. I feel like that uh, many days, but, <laughs> but they, were really, they were really white slaves. Well, you know... Uh, I mean, the same, they were kept in the same conditions as African-American slaves. For, for some reason, you know, and see, as African-Americans, we bore the brunt of it. 
but man in his inhumanity to man sometimes loses color lines and whoever's in the way, you know, gets the brunt of whatever's going on. Well, I've learned two things today already. Martin Luther King told jokes and there were white slaves. <laughs> Did you know that, Cess? Any either of those two? Yeah, definitely. We, you know, we are humorous people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, I, I heard about, you know, white folks being enslaved and, you know. I didn't know that. Now, you've many been... other uh, ethnic races. Mm. Uh-huh. There, were other, there were other slaves besides yeah. African Americans. Well, well, I thought they, people were dragged over here from Africa on ships well, and they were... That, that Not from is anywhere our, else. That's our story. That's uh, the American story mm. of how we as Africans came to this country. But when you look at slavery, you know, around the world, uh, there have been those who have taken advantage of the less fortunate, you know, in an ascendry of different countries and ethnicities. Do you think that now that people in the world have all basically seem to have agreed that slavery is a bad idea, is that we're because we're growing as beings morally somehow? That we're, that we're becoming better people? To some degree, but certainly we got so far still yet to go. You know, we still oppress yeah, one another. Because we still put... We put each other in, in different classes, you know, so uh, it has a lot to do with your financial status or your bloodline yes. uh, or your association. Uh, that's how we characterize, you know, because uh, some folks take their friends by their zip code hmm. or the type of cars they drive, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they want to clone themselves, you know, like that. So I think... Um, if you look at it, when you say slavery, slavery is, is defined in many ways. Because um, there are some people, some people of Latin descent are, are considered slaves in the way that they're treated uh, as servants when the, the jobs that they do. There's a slight difference between being able to pick up and go back to wherever you come from if you want to, mm-hmm. compared to being kept in shackles mm-hmm. and But some of them, they, it shackles doesn't have to necessarily be visible. Right. It could be mentally, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the intimidation and, 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 the, and the threat or whatever. Well, in, that could be a form of a shackle. Well, in that sense, then, have we come far? As I said, we, we, we've come no. far, but yet, you know, we still got so far to go. Right. Uh, uh, Barbara, in her work, you know, in the uptown area, you know, uh, always trying to etch out equality for everybody, you know. Uh, I I have this saying I call the greedy against the needy, you know. Uh, And see, I can say these things, but when when I look at your Halliburtons and, you know, those who are super rich, who don't give a damn about... Can I say that on you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can say it. (laughs) Who who don't care about nobody. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, who, who, who... Go in other countries and plunge and steal and rape and kill uh, for the sheer greediness of it, you know. Uh, That's another form of of a slavery, you know, uh, when the the rich and powerful tend to uh, just do a lot of hurting, you know, uh, for themselves. But there's always going to be rich and powerful people, whatever... Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd all love to be rich and powerful, and I'm sure if we were, 
we'd be nicer, wouldn't we? We wouldn't, we wouldn't be evil like these Halliburton people. You can't say that. You can't say that because sometimes money changes people. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it the rich and the power? Is it the money and the power that changes us? It becomes a matter of the Godheadness in your heart. Yes. You know, if you subscribe to what God says, which is to treat everybody right, you know, that's what love your neighbor as yourself is all about. Right, right. You know, regardless Everybody of, says they're going to do that, they don't they? Even the guys in Halliburton, I'm sure, will tell you that they want to be treat everybody the same, and that's what they're... They're liars. Yeah. I'm going to just call that. it straight what it is. Says you, you want to be wealthy, don't you? Uh, I'm... It depends on what you look at, at as wealth. You know, like I want to be successful. Well, your you know name is your name is from success. Well, correct, Se- but you know, success looks different to different folks. You know what I'm saying? So, well, yeah. I looked. I see that you have gold teeth. Yeah, and you have a dollar sign. No, it's an S. What is it? Oh, it's S for Sess. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> my mistake. It's okay. It is too. Now yes, I see it. it. Yeah. Do you have it on both sides? Yeah. Yeah, two S's for success. But, you know, like, I recognize that, you know, we also have, you know, modern-day slavery, you know, as well in a lot of these countries. And, you know, I feel like uh, even in New Orleans, we we working under slave wages. So, you know. Definitely. You know, uh, the, 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 the powers that be create conditions of slavery. So, like, you know, Ms. Barbara said, uh, they might not have physical shackles, but the conditions put you in slavery because of the way they set up things. So. And I must say, the the non-shackle slavery, which uh, if you subscribe to that there was or wasn't a guy named Willie Lynch who uh, said that uh, if you apply this formula to your slaves that I'm giving you, I guarantee it will last over 300 years. You know, and, and, and so as we are living in the post-slavery uh, time, uh, since 1863 when Mr. Lincoln signed that great declaration, you know, called the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, but it, the slavery of the mind is far worse right. uh, than that of what the shackles were. The shackles slavery was the man in humanity to man, where they would take our ancestors and not just shoot them, but they would tar and feather them and, and set them on fire and kill them and hang them and then cut their private parts off and pickle them in jars like you do pickling. You know, that is and was the kind of man in humanity to man. And how can it get but, worse than that? Well... Uh, in this post time, the mental slavery is far worse. Okay. And the reason I say it's far worse is because it is lasting far longer. Would you not agree, uh, mm-hmm. sister? I agree. Sis, do you, you were the one who brought up that, that, that unshackled slavery is worse than shackled slavery. Would do you, do you think people are living worse than being killed, tired, and fed than having their privates part? Well, if you understand what uh, the pastor's saying, is. The, the the mental slavery piece, you know, is is worse because it affects, you know, it's us doing us. And it's us ongoing. Stuff, you know what I'm is saying? That's, you're, you're doing that to yourself? You yeah. mean you're, you're self-enslaved? Well, no, not self-enslaved, mm-hmm. but the conditions from the mental slavery causes us to, you know, act and 
uh, do things that that's not self-determining is not you know the best in terms of uh, our community and you know we treat each other negatively negatively and we think differently and uh, we just you know acting in an oppressed manner you know what I'm saying and so sometimes we even oppress our own because and of that th- as and a think result. about it says the application of it is what we're talking about you know the physical slavery was a horror <laughs> As Marlon Brando said, you know, in, in that movie, you know, it was a horror and is a horror. Wherever there is physical, you know, destruction and destroying of people. Uh, but the mental aspect, uh, when we look at Katrina, you know, we're going into six years, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but, but the mental aspect of Katrina is still upon people. You know, yeah, uh, the post-traumatic stress on post-traumatic that we all went stress. through, and the physical dislocation from New Orleans as well. But and, so, and 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 I got to okay. Add, now I'll let you finish. That. I got to okay. add yes. And we New Orleans is guilty of drawing a dividing line between its people. You know, uh, the the programs to bring New Orleanians back from where they ended up only address certain kinds of folk. What I mean by kinds of folks, I mean homeowners. Mm. There are at least 30,000 folk who were renters, who've been displaced and and scattered, Mm. who have no hopes of being able to come back because nothing today has addressed them to assist them with getting back to their beloved New Orleans. And they were a major part of this citizenry as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's always been an economic divide, of course, wherever you go in any, in any society, as, even as egalitarian as you'd like it to be. There's always, unfortunately, going to be an economic divide, and that's probably the result. I mean, that's what you're talking about, right? It was people who rented and didn't have any economic power. Well, you know, New property. Orleans itself, New Orleans itself, the sad thing about it is that uh, if you check the stats, uh, New Orleans has always been a majority rental city. Uh, most people knew all this pay rent mm-hmm. uh, and most of the homeowners uh, were defined to a certain certain areas within the city right. so uh, I think what happened is that not so much as the people returning home I think what should what should happen and should have been happening is that uh, reaching out to empower those people that they no longer want to be renters that you can come back but there are programs where we can make you, empower you to become homeowners. Does anybody trying to do that? Does anybody care? I think, yeah, well, let me say this to you. I think they care, but I think the problem is, and, you know, it's just ironic that I'm sitting here now because earlier today I had, I was a presenter at a workshop where uh, uh, people from Africa, about um, 20, 20, 25 people from different parts of Africa, um, we had to talk to them about grassroots organizing and grassroots community groups. And um, some of the questions came out about uh, the struggles of women leaders and, and also about uh, poverty and um, how people live a dollar of a dollar a, a week and all this kind of stuff. And housing and those things came up. Uh, and I had to define how I felt far as the greedy with the needy as to oppose that the greedy with the needy and 
how are we living in a state now where we have a governor that cares less about nonprofit or human services? And that is one of the things that that's hindering some progress in the state. The governor is the problem. Uh, he's one of the he's problems. He's one of the problems. <laughs> and it's hindering some of the process and the progress in the state because I think one of the reasons why a lot of people, you know, and I have to kind of disagree with John because one of the reasons why a lot of people have opted not to come back is because they have the experience of going other places and see how things are so different and how the opportunities are for them that they've made a choice. I don't want to come back, you know. Right. And, uh, who, and Who in their right mind wouldn't want to come back to New right. Orleans? That, well, no, that, well, I'll be honest with you, a lot of them in their right mind because before Katrina, yeah. it, Katrina, was not, uh, Katrina was not a choice. Katrina was not a thing you stay or leave. If you did, if you did stay, they put you out. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so and they put you in places where the supreme being, the Lord Jesus Christ, set you where He needed you to be, whether you realize it or not. Okay, yes. and when you went to those places, you saw something different that you had never been exposed to before, and it allowed you, it afforded you the opportunity to make a choice: Do I want to stay here? Or do I want to go back? I was one of the people who made the choice. I wanted to come back because I'm a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. I'm a landlord. I wasn't always. I lived in public housing. I've been on food stamps. I've been on welfare. I've done all that. But I'm not that now. But I'm a homeowner, and I'm a landlord, and I made up myself with my family. I told them, I said, y'all do what y'all want. Y'all stay, but I'm going back home because I knew I had something to come back to, right. and, and, and I knew I was going to build it back up when I get back. So, you know, right. anybody in their right mind chose to stay because they felt that they would do better. They there. had a better opportunity where they were. That's right. And your disagreement with me is is not hard felt, uh, hard. That's you know, right. Well, it, I, we disagree in in fellowship. That's right. You know, because we, we for a right. lot of people, right, it was a another start, right. a new start, An something different. Right. There, there right. are people who, who uh, now live on the West Bank who had said, I'll, I'll never, never live on the West Bank. But now they know the difference. That's you know? right. That's but there right. are people, as Barbara right. said, who God moved through uh, Katrina. Because they didn't have the ability to move themselves. Yes. Because guess what? I don't know about you. But whenever I try to do it my way, I mess up. And that's all of us. Okay. But but God has a way of of the old folks. Do you, do you say believe all this? Works sis? in yeah. mysterious yes. ways. Are you with this, sis? Are you with what? the God program? Of course, I'm with the <laughs> program. I you never. With God, you with God? I, I, I never knew it was a program. Thank but, you. you know, uh, yeah, baby. But yeah, that's you right. Know, of course, I'm definitely a uh, faithful believer in God, and uh, mm-hmm. and I do know from experience from being a New Orleanian. You know, uh, when when we did get, you know, uh, shoved away, you know, with uh, Katrina, you know, when you when you did get to these other cities and you got to, like, you know, I traveled before from the music. I I, I traveled and got to see other cities and stuff uh, before that. But for other folks, you know, it was their first time there, and mm-hmm. you know, the the you had living wages. You know, at jobs, you had, you know, real More good schools. Right? Right, you know, school. the opportunities right. was a lot greater. Oh, yeah. But, right. you know, like Miss Barbara, I was one of those folks that, you know, I didn't even want to get settled 
you know, I had to come right back and, you know, start working, mm-hmm. you know, in New Orleans while the ground still was wet, you know what I'm saying? Let's take a listen to something that you've been working on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, got a new project, uh, Sess 5. My album is called A Louisiana Purchase, you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> Wait, I That's a nifty name. Yeah, definitely. And, uh... <laughs> You know, I got my my uh, first single that uh, I think we about to play is called Stingy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a song about you know a man you know celebrating, just want to be with you know one woman, and also you know vice versa. So I'm saying, so it's not about money when mm-hmm. I say Stingy. It's about like I don't want to share, you know, the woman uh, and, uh, okay. and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? I think saying? that's, so a, that's, a, think that's a fair, that's a good twist that's a fair yeah. desire. So, well, you know, Stingy is also and a slang, I think, yeah, from New Orleans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm going to give it up. Yeah. Right, right. One woman, one man. Right, right. right. Let's right. take a listen to it. Says 4-5. Says 4-5. Miss T. Number five. I'm so stingy over you. I can't let you go. That's one thing I can't show you. Nothing but fighting records all the way to the top. Can't have another man coming in that loving. You see how these other women trying to catch me uh-huh. clubbing. Your girl say she won't shut, but I ain't with that cousin. On my passenger side, you got a permanent spot. I get my girl one knee and then a big rock. She got me coming straight home. I don't make no stop. I done canceled three shows. Yeah, she that hot. I got nothing but fire. And she got that good. Anything that she asked, she gon' get it if I could. She hit me with a text message saying she want that good. She ain't even go to low, but she got that wood. Uh-huh. I be home in a hot sec, 
Yeah, I want some hot sex. You done fell in love with a without the project. Right. I'm getting that guac, so money ain't an object. And I ain't talking shoes when I say the dude got checks. Let's hit the mall and get some dinner for the tigers. And go half on the baby and buy boo-boo diapers. Hop up on the back and hit the road like bikers. You gon' have a great life if you let me wipe ya. When you in my own bag, just let me know it's worth it. So I don't see them girls when they in the club flirting. I done found love, ain't no more searching. I would like to be a movie, bro. It's just that perfect Louisiana purchase. That's four five. Stingy. So stingy. What do you think of that, you guys? Oh. See, there was an embarrassing moment for you there. No. In the lyrics? No. No, that was okay? I don't think it was because, no, I don't think it was an embarrassing moment because what we have to realize, all of us, and I'm 65 years old, and I don't know how John is not too far from me before, after me, (laughs) but what we have to realize is that it's called respect of expression. Mm -hmm. You know, and... um, in my era, there were certain songs that people felt that was inappropriate. I find it a way of expression of their era because um, if you listen to the song and you really understand what the song is saying, it's the same thing Frank Sinatra said in his songs. It's the same thing Luther said in the songs. I love you. I want you. It's all about you. You're the only one. You make my heart beat. You do me things that nobody else has ever done. It's the same. It's different words. That but it actually, means the that same actually thing. rhymes. That would be good lyrics right there. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I have, you know, I said, yeah. and I, I'm a person. My favorite. You may not believe it, but my favorite artist is, is Tupac. I, and. I'm one of the weird persons that think Tupac is not dead. You know? Oh, okay, so, now, we're, so, now we're going down a strange road. Why wouldn't he be dead? I'm 65 years old. I'm saying I feel. You know why I feel? You mean he's not dead to you? To me. And but he's probably, dead physically, you believe like that, not like Elvis are, or something. Some people feel Elvis is not dead. That yeah. is a matter of opinion and feeling. Right. You know, and he, well, if you really understood people... this young man, just as we need understand this, he was a talented, brilliant young man. Cess is and a talented young man too. Is that what you're saying? I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm you saying. Don't, you don't believe Cess is dead or anything? No, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm saying is that you know, in my glasses. <laughs> well, it's okay. Let me. What I'm drink saying as much as you want. is that we have to be able to, us elders, have to be able to appreciate and have a respect for in expression and to a degree that um, we're willing to encourage them to continue to to cultivate their talents. To well, that's an open-minded attitude is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm attitude. saying, you know, and, and you have a choice because I have a choice. I like all kind of music. I like reggae. I like Western music. I like opera, gospel, Latin Rapping, I like it all. If it's good. 
if it's you good. You like it if it's good. And that was good music. Good. You can hear that. You can hear yeah, that. There's something going on. Only one kind of music, on one lyrics I don't like. The lyrics I don't like, and to be totally honest with you, the lyrics where you're talking about destruction of anything or anyone. I don't like that. Negative. That's destruction. Right. What he's talking about, he's talking about true love. One woman, one man having one woman settling down. I'll do anything for you. Even if we have children, I'm willing to buy my pampers. I'm willing to take care of my child. I'm willing to do what a man needs to do to keep that one woman. That's what that song is saying. You need am to I have, right? You need to have Barbara on the get on the PR team. Yeah, yeah. But am I right? Oh, am I right, man? definitely correct. Okay, baby. Who is it about? Okay. That song says. It's about my my female part of my fiance. Who is she? With my three kids, her name mm-hmm. Renata. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I made a song about her because you know, of course, you know, I love her, but I'm also trying to combat and like contrast the whole uh, independent. Uh, you know, they got an independent movement from males, like making songs about women, so, like saying, you know. Uh, you know, they want to be independent and not depend on men and, you know, and make it just be about, you know, holler at the male for sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to celebrate being a person you could depend on, like being a man, you could, like saying, you know, ain't nothing wrong with being independent, but I want you to be able to depend on me. And so, like, I was trying to, you know, combat that little whole error That's with positive. males. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of rap and and mm-hmm. and hip hop that talk right. about women as bitches and put them down. And right. you're you're not into that, right? Well, what I'm what like I said, what I'm doing uh, with this particular record is combating that that side of uh, side of things. So like they got a million people saying, you know, I do every girl in the world and all this mm-hmm. other kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But you know, like the music that I'm promoting is saying, look. You know, I just want this one woman, and I do it in, you know, my way of doing it. And how's it going for you? Sorry, John, you want to say something? I'm sorry. I'm just curious. Uh, And, and of course, uh, my kudos to that particular piece of music uh, as well. But uh, are you uh, guilty of subscribing to the other genre of thinking (laughs) where that called women out of their name and... (laughs) Uh, you know, what what I call the ugly side of right. rap and, and hip-hop, well, you know. Well, well yeah, uh, uh, I, I ain't got a it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, subscribe to it and uh, not in a, you know, uh, a glorious way where I'm like, yeah, I did it or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, to be honest and uh, true to, you know, my creation or whatever, the music that I create, you know what I'm saying, in some in some forms, those words be used in metaphoric terms or whatever, and it's not saying that you know women, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know female dogs are putting There's a danger. That like There's that, a so. danger, and the danger is, uh, brother says, is that those under you who look up to you, they're not gonna look up to Barbara or me, but they will look more up to you. And they will come away because, see, their minds haven't developed to the point of understanding what they don't even know the word metaphorically, you know, let alone understand what it means. You're talking about responsibility. That says has a responsibility. There is mm-hmm. a you, responsibility. Do you believe that, says, or you are know? you just out to entertain? Well, no, I'm, 
I do know that there's a responsibility in in what you uh, put out. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I be very cautious with the words that I use. Yeah. But and that's all I'm saying. Yeah. There are those younger than you who will look at Sess four five and say, Sess saying women are bees and women are H's, so it must be all right. And so I've been in school system where I do mentoring uh, and see kids, you know, I mean, they're not taller than my something here. There we go. Okay. Uh, And hear them using words that are just outright not godly, you know. And uh, so if we're going to create wholesome and whole citizens that are responsible, you know, and with respect. Because I, Barbara alluded to her youthful age. By the grace of God, I am 68. And certainly uh, in my tender of being a, a children at one time, the elders taught us that we had to have respect for ourselves, our elders, women, and, and you know, the likes. And so you are not respectful to your own mother of females if you're calling women B's and H's. I mean, and they not, we don't need to split hairs about it. That's just a fact. But then again, from the other side, well, I don't want to you know, put words in your mouth at all, Seth, but from the other side, we're talking about emancipation and freedom, and well, we're talking about tolerance. What, what, what I'm, what, what the business that I'm in, I'm in the entertainment business, and it's uh, adult, you know, led business, and I don't make music for kids or whatever, and we don't, you know, sell music to kids or whatever, but the same way you go see the the Tyler Perry uh, movie, you know what I'm saying, that's rated R or whatever, and you hear that, that's what it is, it's, it's entertainment. I'm not going to hear Tyler Perry in his movie calling any women B's or H's. You can say you're not, but you go I know to the I'm movie and, and, it, and it happens. So, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, if if Tyler Perry is guilty of that, I have to yet to hear or see it. But, but I've not and experienced I'm not, it. I'm not singling out Tyler Perry either. No, I, you know I'm, what I'm saying? Not, I'm just okay. saying that. Uh, we're not spikely. We're not you know, yeah, yeah, bashing Tyler, right. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, that. By no means am I bashing. There's right. adult, right. Is adult right. Um, right. movies and there's adult music. You know, I'm merely like saying that, that, that in, the, in the world we live in, we, we see, and especially as since we're talking about us as black people, we have got to take steps to be responsible for the end product that we are delivering. Right. Whether you are entertaining for adults or not, the, the, the children are listening. And we can't discard the fact that their computers, look, from the time I came out my mother's womb, my computer has been on, as is all of ours. And we do emulate those things which we see That's, and hear. This is what I'm getting ready to say, and you're right, because I have the theory and I believe children do best what they see and hear most. So if you really look at it, with me, just like I said to you, I like all kind of music. In my lifetime, I like all kind of things, and I'm a mother of four, but being a mother of four, I did not expose my children to all kind of things. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So 
we have to look at the whole picture, you know, and um, just like, you know, he, uh, John is an entertainer. He's a minister, but he's also an entertainer. He sings. He has a group. He sings. And everything he's saying is not gospel, you know. So what I'm saying is that it, it, it's, it's, it's a task for more than just what the children are hearing because what we have to do as African Americans we have to continue to work with the masses because we have to work with the young mothers and fathers to work with them on priorities. You know, if you choose to listen at that kind of stuff, you should not listen to it in the presence of your children. You understand? When you're riding in a car, when you're riding in a car and I'm having on the radio, the babies are sitting there. Right. You understand? Put it on something else. When they get out, then turn it on. So if you look at it, we got it, it, it's it's a thing where the children are victim to a part, you know. And isn't this the mental slavery that we're talking about? No, it's not mental slavery because what it is is that uh, as we continue, like he said, he meant the children. Myself and other women have to be continuously mentoring women to let women know what's acceptable for you as a mother what you have to do, what your responsibilities are as, as a mother. Because I often say, I don't know about white folks because I'm not white, I'm black. You know, we, we, we train our daughters and raise our, we, raise, we train our daughters and raise our sons. <laughs> That's what African-American what, women do. What does that mean? What that means, we train our daughters to be women. Don't do this. You be Like you said, you get your education, you get your job, you do this, you make your money, you do this. Our boys, we, we, we pamper our boys as women. Oh, he don't have to do that. Come on, mama going to do that for you. Boy, I'm not going to do this for you no more. And, oh, this is my baby. And let me take I don't it want you step, with that girl. Let me take it one step further. So what yeah. I'm saying is that we don't really, as women, that's why it's so important that, women, that boys have men. Because we, as women, we love our boys, but we, we pamper them and raise them. We don't prepare them because we don't have the ability as women to do that. But we train right. our girls right. because we got the, you feel what I'm saying? Oh, you got definitely, me? definitely. You know, so all I'm saying, John, is that <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I understand what he's doing. And don't misunderstand. I understand. But it's a big job. You got what I'm saying? What are you talking about? Huh? But I have have two jobs. My number one job is who I work for, Mm -hmm. which is the big and real G-O-D. And so I am obligated to call it to your attention. Whether you subscribe to it, uh, take it to heart, and, 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 you know, say, yeah, I can do this another way or, or not. Right. I'm obligated to share with you the good news on what God says mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. You're not saying God, that God's telling Seth it's his responsibility to, to raise kids, eh? No. Well, let, 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 Except let, for let, your own. What you let get me, from what we say to you? Well, let uh, me share it like this. Let me I'll tell it to you since you raised the question. God is a spirit. He's not a man. And so, as such, we are the arms and legs of God, okay? Now, God said that to train up a child in the way it should go, and when it get old, it shall not depart. 
that obligation don't just fall to me and Barbara. It falls to Seth as well. It falls to you and, and Eric as well. It falls to mankind to bring up children in the way they should go so that when they get old, they should not depart. Now, we do live in a time that's different from my rearing as a child. So information comes just like that. So in my days, the old folk would take the, uh, the uh, 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 Red Fox records and, and, and Slappy White's records, mm-hmm. and they could hide them from That's us. That's right. We wouldn't hear that. And, right. and there was no internet. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't the, uh, at the speed of sound that you get information. But we're living in a different time. And so the children which is the essence of life. I learned that from Dr. Jeff, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, they are exposed, Seth, uh, to so much more, so much quicker, so faster. And so we can't, as try as we may, we cannot monitor all the information that comes to but them. But we can try to do the you best know? we can. But we got to do the best we can. And so part of my job, says. Uh, really is mentoring you even, even though you are a grown man. But I'm obligated, Seth, to at least share with you what the good news is. Now, once I've shared it with you, then, you know, it's up to you. Because it's just like when I was raising my uh, children, and I would tell them, and, and it's from old, huh, Barbara? One day you'll understand it better by and by. When your son grows up and says something to you that make you want to knock him or her out, and and you look back and say, "Where did you learn that from?" and they turn around and and say, "I heard you say it, Daddy." That's right. Then maybe you'll understand even better what I'm saying to you. I'm not putting you down by no means, and certainly I would not stifle your right to make a living and be successful. But I got to call it to your attention because you are my brother. You are a African male just like I am. And you're his son. And you're my child. Definitely. Whether right. you whether you agree right. with it He's or not. He's our son. But That's I right. Got to, to because us. when I was a child, there was men in the neighborhood who said, listen, we don't wear our pants like that. We don't talk that way. We don't cuss out elders. We don't disrespect our women. That's the way I was raised. And you know what? It was not bad. We need some more of that today. Maybe so many of us wouldn't be doing some of the things that we do against one another. Now, that's my take on it. Come on, baby. So, you know, we're not, uh, you know, disagreeing. And what we saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like I'm a godly man as well, right? And so it's all about, uh, you know, understanding, right? So, like, in this, uh, you know, new generation, I have an understanding as well, right? And so we all don't arrive at uh, where we at in, you know, uh, God's, you know, knowledge or whatever, the, you know, the reality of what we all lack at the same time, right? So you have a greater, deeper, 
understanding of you know who you are, who's you are, and you know, uh, you know your whole approach to uh, spirituality and life, and you know your whole uh, upbringing and what you've learned, as well as Miss Barbara, right? And so I have an awareness also, and in my awareness and in my growth, you know, what I'm saying I've learned a whole lot. And I've changed a whole lot. And you're still and I, growing. I'm still growing. And I also know the people that I am trying to reach, right? And so I can't come with the same approach you uh, may can, can get folks in your generation to respond to what I'm doing, right? And so I have to take my approach. And my approach is little by little, you know what I'm saying, using... Uh, the methods that I have, like I said, I'm trying to combat. You heard me. Uh, <laughs> certain things in my element, you know, what I'm saying that you know that that my generation are doing. So I got to take little baby steps, eat biting the elephant off. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if I say uh, all of the words of the Bible in my rap, I'm not gonna get these folks right but and you might look at it differently like i said we have different approaches that we have to take right and so i have to use certain words to get certain folks if we if, yeah if we if we all were saved and uh we try to get all the saved folks and they got a bunch of you know folks that's not saved you know what i'm saying you have to be able to go out into that place where the non-save folks are but if you scared to go where the save folks are they don't relate to you and you can't transform right. uh those folks that's you know uh that's that's not helpful to right. the kingdom right i'm, I'm right. To- in total right. agreement right. with you that we have to go outside of the four walls and and right. reach the folk right. that some see us for some people we're the only bible they're ever mm-hmm. going to read. Mm-hmm. They're not going to actually pick up the book itself and read it. And that's why it's so important that we live what it is that's we right. preach. That's right. And teach. See, my, you know? I'm at my church, to be honest with you, I'm a bench member. I don't, I'm not on any committee. I, I don't do it. And, and you know why? Like I told my pastor, because... I do things for the church. You know, I, I do things for the church. But I'm not just one of the, And my reason for that is that I think the, the knowledge, the nourishment that I get, I'm supposed to bring that out with me and take it to the street. And that's what I do. And you do. do and that's that. what I do. Right. My knowledge that I get there, I take it to the street. And I don't, I don't question people about are they saved or do you want to be saved. I find ways to relate to them to let them know certain things need to happen, you know, in their life. And like I told somebody not long ago, I am a person that have relation. Everybody's the same to me. It doesn't matter who they are. Everybody's equal. Nobody's less and nobody is more. From the White House to the crack house, I treat everybody the same. When I got to go in the crack house and get a woman out of there and say, right. come on to your babies or whatever, I mean, just... And even in City Hall, the White House, in, in Baton Rouge, whatever, they all equal to me. And that's what we have to be. But your words, the way that you relate, and I'm going to be honest with you, you say baby steps. I listened to that song. I didn't hear one B word. I didn't hear one, and it's not H, y'all. It's W. I didn't hear one W word. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice song. And it, and it, it's not in there. I right didn't hear either. that, but I'm just saying, but guess what? 
I'm more than sure before you have had songs that had those words oh, yeah. in it. But like you say, Definitely. you've learned. You're learning. You're taking those steps. You're improving yourself. Barbara, have you been to the White House? Yes, I have. And in fact, I met Obama before he became president. How I knew that, him before he was president. How did you do that? Well, Karen Carter Peterson is a, she's like a niece to me because I'm in a political organization that we're involved in. And before Obama decided to run, he came to New Orleans because him and Karen Carter's friends. And she introduced me to him, and we met, and that's how we met. Then also, I was privileged uh, to go to the White House a couple of other, other times. And You've I been was, to the White House more than once. Yes, I have. How many times have you been to the White House? I've been to the White House only twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. What did you do? One, uh, what one, goes uh, on? You don't see much. Not a visitor. <laughs> really? Did you, you, did you meet the president and the first lady when you were there? I met the first lady and the president before the White House. Yeah, but I mean, and when I you met, went to the White House, when he no, since they he's been no, president. they wasn't. I have not met him so in, you, in the White House. What did you do in the White House? Well, times? went around and we took the tour and all that stuff. But I met Obama before he was president, yeah. and I met but Michelle and uh, the night of the inauguration because I had privilege really? to attend uh, one of the balls where where they were. Yeah, well, that's impressive. The, where was that? In, in Washington? In, in Washington, D.C. Inauguration. So they you're cold hooked up. As I don't know what. So you're hooked up politically. No, then. I'm not hooked up. I'm not you hooked up. You couldn't get much hooked more up. hooked up than a you know, friend yeah, of a hooked I'm hooked, yeah, I'm hooked, hooked up. out, y'all. I met can Obama you hook, also. So. You met Obama, too? Yeah, so. I met him, yeah. Yeah. Goodness me, how did you meet him? Uh, he was at an event before uh, he was president. Right. Mm-hmm. Just uh, in the streets right around here. Uptown he had on the jean, jean, jeans. And, yeah. And, oh, yeah. It was on the news. They had, sure you know, was. They they, every time they mm-hmm. show Obama, almost, they show that interview. Mm-hmm. Me talking to him, asking you're him. About, you're in it. Uh, you're, 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 they show you on television talking to the president. Yeah. Before definitely. he was the president. Mm-hmm. Before, yeah, he, was before president. he was the president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I don't really, uh, you know, I don't have to put, you know, like all the the accolades on the table because I, I do a summer camp every mm-hmm. year and I work with kids and parents respect what I do because it's with adults. I do the Katrina March every year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, the one know, from time, the ninth wall? Yeah, from the ninth yeah. wall. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that we orchestrated and we did. Like I said, I was here while the ground was still wet, you know, rebuilding the city. And so, like, I do so much in the community, but I'm also, like I said, uh, a hip-hop artist. I love music and, you know, creating and all that type of stuff. But business on and, you know, just a number of things. But I work with everybody uh, in the field because I'm pro-black, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and I'm definitely going to, you know, uplift our people at all costs and all times or whatever, you know. So. When we're running out of time, but before we get, before we move on and say goodbye and leave here, I wanted to just ask you what is going on. I guess all three of you are involved in the in the actual Juneteenth celebrations this year in New Orleans, correct? Well, I'm what, where, wherever. What, look, what is going to happen this year I, for look, Juneteenth? Whatever John wants right. of me, that's what he got. Right. And I'll leave it like that. It's always been <laughs> that way for over 20 years. <laughs> that's okay? right. Really? That's right. Yeah, right. we support mm-hmm. you. That's right. You've not, mm-hmm. you, you, have you known these people before, Sis? Have you met John well, Biden Yeah, before? We, we both, we all met before. We all see each other in our daily work. In, right. You know, our yearly work in New Orleans. But, uh, like, just working together. Uh, consistently, we haven't done that yet, but I'm pretty sure. But that don't mean that we, if 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 we, if he doesn't need us, that we right, won't be right. there. Right. Right. See, we're the elders, and right. our place is <laughs> to be resources to encourage him. That's what we're about. Is there right? a, is there a, right. are there a small number of activists in the African American community? Oh, yes, or does many, many, there's many, definitely, many. Do you think there's two separate communities here, the African American community and the white community, p- politically, when it comes to these? 
of course. Of course. <laughs> There's separate look, community be, among black people. Yeah, right. let's, let's be real. But I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys all, I mean, I would think that you wouldn't know each other at all. Oh. I bet I, but it no. turns out that uh, New Orleans is small. You can get everywhere. And it's no coincidence that the three of us right. ended up at this table. That's today. right. Well, that, you know, it is a coincidence. And I worked together two years ago right. Right. Uh, for Juneteenth. And, 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 and we did business right. for Juneteenth. All the day flyers uh, and all the day. And, and Barbara's of. been a proponent and a supporter for all of these 20 years but that what, we've been But my whole point is that it's a complete coincidence mm-hmm. that we're all sitting at this table because everybody came here from a different right. way. Mm-hmm. Everyone was booked by but a different But everybody person. know Miss Barbara. That's right. what he said. Miss everybody Barbara knows. That's the what they call Miss right. Barbara. Yeah. Every, all, all of them know Miss Barbara. All of them. And they know they need me. I don't care when or where, how, no matter. Miss Barbara's there. Me from the courthouse. To, like I said, from the crack up, whatever I do, right. that's me. That's Miss Barbara. And so, I'm blessed that uh, if you the word Juneteenth come up, mm-hmm. people will nine out of ten times say my name. They, that's they right. say it a country what? It's Juneteenth on Wikipedia. Man, nationwide. So here's my final question before we all get out. Well, first of all, I want to actually know what's going on on Juneteenth, but I just want to ask you this question. Do you think white folks care at all? Some do. Some don't give a blank. <laughs> it's, you know, and that's just the reality of it. Right. You know, right. Uh, there are people in diverse, you know, cultures who really care. As I tell the Juneteenth story, I often say, you know, there were those good whites who helped, you know, with Harry Tugman and uh, our ancestors. Because when you think about it, we were from Africa. We not only did we not speak the language, but we didn't certainly didn't know the geographical locations of where we were. So we had to have the aid of those good God fearing whites who knew what God meant by love your neighbor as yourself. And so they helped. You know, so to your question, yes, there are those who care and there are those who they could care less, not just about us, but about anybody. That's right. And that's, that's the bottom right. line of that. That's right. What would you like to see? Would you like to see everybody joining in together in the Juneteenth celebration, or is it an African-American? We invite, and I say this at the press conference every year and all through Juneteenth and all year long, because Juneteenth is something I live and breathe all the time. We invite all people, regardless of race, creeds, or colors, uh, ethnicity of uh, uh, religious practice to come and join us in celebration of Juneteenth because Juneteenth, while it's African in its origin, but Juneteenth is about freedom. And real freedom is not because of the Emancipation Proclamation. That was just the stroke that God decided to use to get his work done. And there's a scripture uh, in Deuteronomy where God told Moses, I give grace and mercy to who I choose to. And God says, I use whoever and whatever I choose to get my work done. And so freedom, real freedom, came from the cross at Calvary, where God thought it not robbery to send his son to die for all of us to be free. And so we invite everybody 
to come and join us in celebration of freedom because that's what we celebrate. Okay, just to be completely, freedom. just to be bring it back down to earth for a moment, then where do we go to celebrate the freedom on June 10th? It's June 19th is the day we're talking about. June 19th where is do the we actual go? day. Where do we go and what do we do? And most unfortunately, today, we're still up in the air. There is going to be a celebration at the African American Museum on the 18th of June in the daytime. We were scheduled uh, to have celebration at the village in Algiers, but the Army Corps of Engineers flooded the place out and had given promise to have it drained and dry by then. But today, it's still flooded. So I'm uh, in the process over the next couple of days of seeking out other uh, possible venues to host a celebration. But it's going to be on the 17th, 18th, and 19th, with the 19th being Juneteenth Day and Father's Day. We always celebrate Father's Day as an intricate part of Juneteenth. Now, what uh, the listeners can do, they can call us at 504-382-8816. And if you get this information in Gichigumi, you can call me at that number because that number reaches me anywhere I am in the world. And I will gladly give you the update. Plus, I'm going to post it and do a a large email blast. And we'll put a link to it. We'll have a link to it on our site as well on on our podcast page. So I want to thank you uh, for this opportunity. and, uh, Thank you very much. Nice to have met you. Uh, yes. Well, hopefully we can all meet again. Uh, of course. Back here. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do a post Juneteenth. We should. That's right. That's right. We should do it. I love planning stuff. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. That's happy thank hour you. for today. Our guests have been Reverend John Mosley, the assistant pastor of the Right Way and Truth Full Gospel Baptist Church, and one of the shakers and movers of the Juneteenth celebration across America. Even though. He's modest enough not to want to admit it. Barbara Lason Keller is the Director of Constituent Services for Council Member Stacey Head, among many, many other hats that she wears, mother of the African-American community in New Orleans. And Sess 4-5 is many things to many people. A father, a husband, a rapper, an MC, a hip-hop artist, an all-around New Orleanian. Thank you so much, all you guys, for joining us here today. The producers of our show are Melinda Hawes and Trish Kaufman, our executive producer, is Tanya Castellanos, Ali Duffy is our consultant producer, and Eric Murrell is our technical director. Christian Unruh does all the music for the show, and our web designer and our link to the actual world is Cliff Brigden. Our theme is written and played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel today at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in Uptown New Orleans. Come and stay at the Collins if you're coming to New Orleans. It's a beautiful hotel, small enough to be personal but big enough to be an actual hotel. Come and have a drink here if you're already in New Orleans and check out our other happy hour shows on our website at neworleans.com and our other shows as well, including Psych Ward. See you next time on Happy Hour. Until then, I'm Grant Morris.